0: Welcome to my mom podcast. You're listening to the Early Childhood Journeys Podcast, where we chat with educators, community members, and advocates of early childhood alike through candid and real conversations, focusing on the person behind the practice, along with some tips and strategies as well. I'm your host, Marisa. Hey everyone. Before we get started, I wanted to give you a heads up about a technical glitch we unfortunately had while recording. It's about the last six minutes of the podcast, so don't think it's on your end. Keeping that in mind, I went ahead and also transcribed the episode so you don't feel like you missed out on too much. Okay, here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another Early Childhood Journeys podcast episode. I am ecstatic today. It is right after Christmas, right before New Year's. I really scored a lovely little holiday miracle today. I am joined by, right now it's four of these badass teachers here in Arizona. Um, Today I have the Arizona Teacher of the Year, Kareem Neal. Welcome. Um, So let me give you guys some background. I have... Also, the other three ambassadors, the additional ambassadors, um, I'm going to give you guys your proper introductions, don't you worry. So I want to make sure I, I include all your accolades here. But a little bit of background, um, here in Arizona, we have the Arizona Education Foundation. There is an application process where um, the AEF, AEF committee folks review submissions. They vote for the Teacher of the Year, including the four additional ambassadors, um, ambassadors for excellence recipients and these guys won it Yay! Good. along with winning comes some additional perks um, press releases talking engagements and I hear there's also a parade uh, scheduled for you guys you guys yes. get to go I was hoping you would be on a float but I heard it's gonna be on a fire truck <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um tomorrow we're we're recording on on a friday so let's get this friday going i want to make sure i i also include that we are recording from the highway 85 creative podcast studio here in peoria arizona i have to say thank you guys so much thank you joe my um audio technician guy because this is free being in this fabulous studio that also happens to have a bar (laughs) that sometimes I require after some of my, my guests, we we have some, some shots afterwards, after interviews, um, you know, we're educators, whatever it, whatever it takes. (laughs) Um, but so yes, thank you so much. And I included some little gifts there for you guys, um, as a thank you to all of you for coming today. Cause I know your schedules are very busy now that you, you're on the, um, winning circuit trail of press releases and appearances um, because of your award. So thank you guys so much. So let's start first. I want to start with Kareem um, and then we'll introduce everybody else. So Kareem, you are a ninth, 10th grade self-contained special education teacher here at Maryvale High School, Phoenix Union High School District. And you've mentioned you you have been in the field for over 21 years. Yes. And just from doing a little bit of background with you, I know you're a huge advocate on um, your your field as far as special education goes, and people of color. Yes. As well, can you speak to me a little bit about that, real quick?
1: Well, in my educational journey, yes, um, I like I've always loved it, right? Um, and, and I feel like I was fortunate to love it. Uh, fortunate because my mom and my grandma really instilled it into me, and and then I kind of I got off to a fast start in school. I I did really well, and and that kind of positive reinforcement that I got there was enough for me to kind of get through it and love it. And then I became a teacher, and then really really loved that job. And as I've been doing it, I I think back to kind of my journey, and and I I talked about this um, somewhere recently. Um, yeah that, I, I had one black teacher. Yes. Um, in high school, and I I didn't feel like um you know the the halls of education was a place for black role models, right? Yeah. It was like I loved it, and it is a great place to educate black people. However, I, I I didn't see that representation there at a school with mostly black kids, and so um just in my journey of. Um, school equity and and social justice. I realize the importance of having that kind of representation in schools. Um, everywhere, but yes. certainly in schools because yeah. I I feel like like my parents, just like most people's parents, mm-hmm. are like their first role models, right? And then they enter school when they're like five years old, and they the next adult role models are like teachers, and to not have. Any of them be black or Latina or mm-hmm. Native mm-hmm. Um, is 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 doing a disservice to students. So, so I really have been thinking about it a lot these last few years, um, particularly I, I, I do a social justice club the last ten years, oh, wow. and um, that has kind of been my focus the last few years. Um, just uh, teachers of color, particularly black, um, because I'm black. that, yes. that of course, I'm, <laughs> of course, I'm focused there. Mm-hmm. Um, because I see it as a problem that needs to be addressed.
0: Yeah, absolutely and I can't wait to champion um, all of all of your work and at the end I'm going to give you guys a way to connect with our teachers here online through any if they have any social handles as well. I'll put that in the show notes. So, let me move on to Jonathan Perrone. So, Jonathan is also one of the ambassadors. Uh, I'm actually connected with Jonathan because his wife, Veronica, and I are education consultants here in Arizona. So I've done a ton of work with um, Veronica, his wife, and Jonathan has come and done some awesome trainings with us with our kindergarten grant. So when he got this um, uh, award, this this recognition, I mean, it, it didn't surprise me at all (laughs) I'm like yay another champion you know for early childhood as well Um, so you are eighth grade STEM teacher at Mountain Sky Middle School of Washington Elementary School District here in Phoenix Um, you are a huge stream STEM STEAM enthusiast science guy Um, talk to me a little bit about what this journey has been for you
2: sure so um, I've always loved science, and actually, my degrees in biology, not in education. And I was one of those really naive people who thought teaching—you know—how hard can that be? <laughs> Before I actually entered the profession, and then uh, I was quickly educated on on how difficult and how rewarding that that is. And so, I taught science classes in the middle school for about nine years. And then three years ago, uh, with support from my principal in my district, we actually built a STEM or STEAM program within our school, and it's now a full two-year elective that serves over 400 kids every oh. year. Uh, about half of our school goes through this STEAM program. And we knew that it was important for a couple of different reasons. For one, we met uh, a few years ago with superintendents from all over the state to talk about STEM. And they're all like, yeah, STEM's really important. We have all these great programs. But Every single one was before or after school, was extracurricular, Mm -hmm. and we knew that our underserved populations are the ones that are least likely to take advantage of those opportunities. And so it became the conclusion of that meeting that we needed to have more STEM and STEAM offered during the school day. And that was going to increase our our minority populations, but also our young women getting involved in STEM, which is uh, a huge uh, source of underrepresentation and ideas uh, that we know we need to do better with. And so our program's uh, edged up to about 40% young ladies in our program, which is fantastic, but we're not, you know, not done there. And so we're, we're continuing to move forward to engage as many of our students in a very diverse population. Um, we are a Title I school with about 50% Hispanic students. And so we do have uh, quite the, the variety of students coming in. And it's fascinating to see their ideas come to life in a way that they, they don't normally get to in school.
0: Yeah. I, I'm really excited to see that project grow and continue to see your work. In that field and that recognizing the focus that we do need our girls as well right to get into this field and so moving on with science and females um, my next guest is Leanne Howe so Leanne I was looking up your information and I'm actually connected with Fort Huachuca so um, I did some Sierra Vista work I go out to Sierra Vista to do some kindergarten classroom flips (laughs) (laughs) actually and i really love that community they were so lovely the teachers overall and i was so excited to see somebody from fort huachuca be in this in this circle of excellence with um with this with this recipient of this award so you are a seventh grade science teacher um at colno smith colonel smith middle school of fort huachuca accommodation school district i know it's by Sierra Vista. That's how I tell people. <laughs> you are right. <laughs> it's on the base. Yes. That's the base. And so I had a whole base experience. <laughs> I have my little ID card still as well um, going in and on, in and off the base. Tell me about your experience because you teach earth science. Is that your focus overall? It is my focus overall.
3: Um, I'm pretty blessed to be a teacher. I think it's um, extremely rewarding. I didn't have a traditional upbringing um, with two leave-it-to-beaver kind of household. Um, I had a hardworking mom who believed in um, doing your best at everything that you did. But teachers for me were my stability, and they're the ones who nurtured and provided that love of learning for me. And I owe my teaching career to them. And then um, I was also a kid that loved being outside. Mm -hmm. I loved figuring out how things worked, um, why... Um, eyeballs have a tendency to dry out when something's dead. I have that curious mind. (laughs) Yep, so I, I think that plays a lot into the kind of teacher I am today. I totally get that kids want to go outside the box, that they are hands-on learners, that they want to experience things. They don't just want to hear about things. So even though I teach science, um, I am more of a STEM educator because I believe in that hands-on. And I think that's what gets kids excited about learning. So I'm I'm very fortunate. I am thrilled to be working with these amazing people um, <laughs> and continue to learn.
0: Yeah, thank you. I, I can't wait to see more of your work. Um, so let's move on to Sherry Lloyd. Sherry, Something else that's exciting I want to note to our listeners. So when I was reading this, you're a third grade ELA and math teacher at Mountain View School, correct? Yes. So for listeners that don't know the span of early childhood, I always remind folks that early childhood is birth birth to third grade. So when I saw, um, and, and I want to make a note that the other ambassador is not here, who is Maria Baker, She's a preschool special ed teacher that couldn't make it um, today uh, due to uh, family commitment. But I saw another, I saw a, two early childhood folks. And to me, I, I get very excited when it's females, when it's people of color, the science, um, you all are doing this amazing work and for you to get recognized. What was um, your journey through this?
4: Well, I know I enjoyed working with younger students. I loved You know, seeing that passion and that enthusiasm for school. Um, I didn't have the typical high school experience, um, actually, having overcome adversity, being one of those teenage um, high school moms who dropped out. Um, Math was really difficult for me. Um, So I kind of realized as I was teaching it to the students, I had this ability to support them and teach them in a way that they grasped it and they understood it. Um, so I did become a K math interventionist, um, and it was tough. And all my students were like, no, teachers are just great at math. All teachers are great at math. I'm like, no, not me. Um, I was horrible at it, and I had to study, and I had to work hard. And I realized through that process of me having to study, I was able to use that with my students and teach them those same skills, that same passion. Um, and all of a sudden, I had students going, I love math. This is awesome. And I'm like... You bet. Um, So just being able to work with them, that was phenomenal. But then I realized, you know, working with the older students in math, that was important to me. But really, if I wanted to make a difference, I wanted to do it in K through three. Mm -hmm. I wanted to work with the little ones. I wanted to fill those gaps they became even larger and I'll tell you I have third graders right now who are working on seventh and eighth grade functions, oh yeah algebra and they will walk out and they'll be like I love math and that's just it it's developing that passion and showing them that we're humans and you know what we are in this together and we love you guys and how much we care about them
0: (laughs) I I love um connecting those concepts to uh business our business community i'm really connected with our phoenix business community i just did a whole little thing about blocks (laughs) and i'm like yeah well how do you think they get to coding into app development to software development that starts with blocks everybody so we have these conversations where we connect those real world experiences back into that early childhood space um so i gave you guys some talking points i'm going to just Whoever wants to start first, one of the things I actually reached out to some of my audience for some of your questions, believe it or not, and one of the questions was, what was it about your practice in your classroom that you think made you stand out for this recognition? Like, What was it that you think that you did or you're doing differently that that earned you this recognition? I'll
2: go first. Yes, Jonathan. (laughs) So I think, uh, ironically, what my... You know, make me stand out a little bit is the, the lack of what we would con- traditionally call teaching that I do in the classroom. And so it's um, very rare for you to walk into my room and find me at the front of the room. There really is no front of the room. Um, you won't find me lecturing or talking at the students. So my room is set up in four stations and students will be working on coding projects, robotics, engineering, or computer-aided design and 3D printing. And so aside from getting them started with their projects and, and helping them get over those first few steps. They're really on their own, and we know that kids love to learn when they're interested and when they're engaged. And I, I suppose that's why my room is a little bit different yeah. for these students. And one of the things we talk about with with students is that they walk into most classrooms and they look around and they're kind of told what to do and how to do it. And in my room, they have to take ownership of what they're doing, and that's a struggle for them. You know, they're in eighth grade. They gone through a number of years of kind of being led in a specific direction and so providing them with an opportunity for creativity and and more of those true critical thinking opportunities that's difficult for them but it's also so much more rewarding and so the room I think is just uh it's that environment that they get to go into for at least an hour a day and and be there and be like okay and here I'm in control I get to pick within reason of course I get to pick what I'm working on and we've had students do everything from 3d printed inserts for baseball bats to mug racks to um, all sorts of different projects um, apps one student did an app where it had a bunch of different emojis on it and you picked your <laughs> your mood and when you clicked on the mood it would give you like a motivational quote and it was just so simple but so incredible to see her being very empathetic toward others and saying okay i know people are having a hard time but hopefully this will make someone smile mm-hmm. so it's been it's been a fantastic, uh,
0: experience. I mean, jump in there, whoever wants to go next. I I bring this up because we have parents that are listening that want to know what makes that exceptional teacher. And we have teachers that are maybe new (coughs) in the field or perhaps in the crossroads, and they need some of this information. They, They want to know what they can do differently or improve upon.
3: Um, something that I guess that I do differently is I do some weekend workshops with my students. Um, we have some competitions that we compete in, and I tell them, as long as you work hard, I'm going to work hard, too. Um, it is so moving to put those dates out that we're going to have the weekend workshops, and those students are there. Yeah. Um, and I usually have five or six students come in because we want to do some concentrated work to prepare them for competition, all the way down to handshaking, eye contact, you get yourself out there. Don't wait for somebody to come see you. You're, you're the best advocate for your project and what you learned. Um, and then the following weekend, I'll have five other students come in. I'll ask the, pre- the previous five students, would you be willing to come in to volunteer to help them now that you've learned some of the – they all come. Yeah. And every weekend that you're willing to give up to come into your classroom to work with them, they are there
0: 100%. It's and, incredible. I mean, Leanne, you, you're talking about being really strategic about those weekends. I mean, it it takes planning. So, yes, we do. We we ask teachers to do these, this extra work. But this is really an investment long-term that you're providing these skills.
3: Um, those students, um, I get paid back tenfold from them. Yes,
0: that's the, exactly. They
3: are so proud of what they've accomplished. Yeah. They are so proud that they're ready for the competitions. They're proud of the work that they um, are ready to share with other people. And those same students volunteer to come back the next year for the other students and that to me is and they they tell me once they're in high school because high school students still come back yeah. to volunteer with me and they say mrs how those skills are lifelong skills i am so glad that i spent that time with you and i gave up my weekend so and that's, how could i not
0: i have to say is that's going to come from that relationship now that's relationship oh. building that's community building that what that's happening right? Not just the skills that they're learning.
3: It, it is all so you can they, do to not cry. Yeah. When they are knocking at your door,
0: <laughs> like, oh my gosh, they're here. They're here. Yes. I, I think that's amazing. <clears throat> Who else wants to jump in here?
4: I can piggyback off what Leanne said and really being there for your students and letting them know that you care about them, not just academically. I've gone to football games and soccer games and just been there to cheer them on because if they know that you're there and you really care about them, they're willing to step it up. Like in the classroom, they're more supportive. They want to be on your same team. I have a little girl that comes in in the morning um, and she thinks she's there for tutoring, which I told her mom, it's just for confidence. Yeah. But I mean, she's already at a fourth, fifth grade level and it's just that relationship building. And she's so excited to step it up in the classroom. She wants to teach math. And so it's about building those relationships with your students. It's
0: huge. It's yeah. huge. Cream, do you want to jump in there? What do you think was the exceptional Um, thing you did to get the the teacher of the year? um,
1: Well, it's tricky in education because there's like 60,000 teachers in Arizona. I believe I I looked this up somewhere. And so how do you stand out there where there's so many teachers who are putting in all this extra work, right? Weekends and creating programs for schools and... And all those kinds of things. And and so I do lots of things. Like if you yeah. look at oh, my teacher resume, it looks cool and all that. But <laughs> I think like the bigger thing is like how much I love it. And so I feel like when people talk to me, they seem to get that somehow. Somehow I convey it. And um, for me, I think it's, like the most important thing. So for me, I, I don't love something like I love teaching, which is probably why I'm single now. But
0: like, you know, but,
1: <laughs> but it's serious about that. Right. And so I think somehow it comes through because it's like, it's like my thing. And so I know that when I join some organization to help out the campus I fully commit when yeah. I take a professional development class I actually am paying attention to try and learn some new skills so I can take yes. it to my students who I love you know and so I think that's
0: kind yeah. of that. absolutely just want to give a quick shout out and send out some gratitude to highway 85 creative for the podcast studio Highway 85 Creative is a Phoenix-based experiential marketing agency focusing on the trade show exhibits and corporate materials which provide clients with the expert partnership they need to tell their stories in the spaces they occupy. As a perk to our local podcasting community, they are also part of a collaborative podcasting group here in the Phoenix metro area, allowing podcasters such as myself to use their studio completely free of charge. How cool is that? You can learn more about the amazing products and services they provide large and small businesses by visiting their website at highway85creative.com. Now let's get back to the interview. I just finished up telling or asking the teachers, what's one thing they are going to use to help change or shift their perspective areas? Here it is.
4: Being a math person. I still want to change the perspective of the common core math standards. Mm -hmm. I know parents dislike them with a passion because it's so different than what we grew up with, with those, the different classrooms Mm -hmm. that, um, and it's a different time now. Students are growing up differently, but I really want to let you know is that it's, It's not about mimicking the behavior of the teacher. So and if I look at the, you know, the amount of students who are graduating from high school who are ready and prepared for college level classes, it's less than 50 percent. That's telling me there's something wrong and our students are not memorizing. They're memorizing it for the test, but they're not memorizing it for life how to do the math. They don't understand the math. If I ask half of my parents, they'll say I wasn't good at math either. Mm So to me, it's more about the process. And when we're teaching this math, it's not about all the different steps that you're seeing on these assignments that are coming home. It's about the process of getting the child to think. So when uh, when we have on there 12 divided by six, I'll go 12 what? And they'll say 12 apples divided <coughs> by six, the six people, how many do they each get? It's, it's about the process of truly understanding it. And so really, I just I would like to change that perception that the common core is the problem that really talk to your child's teacher, understand the math we want to work with you. And these are the only set of standards that were designed from high school level down to kinder. That is phenomenal to know that they built these standards so they understand from each year up. They I mean, if you look at achieve the I mean, it's amazing the amount of time and work that went into these. And really, it's not as rigid as our last standards. They're like, let's look at all the different ways we can solve the same problem. It's to get our kids to think. It's to get them to think out of the box. So that's one I was hoping to do. <laughs> yes, I will champion that
5: for For me, I talked about um, kind of like how I feel like there needs to be more teachers of color. But um, I would like to... Change the perspective that people have, or the, the perception that people have about students in um, self contained special ed classrooms. And I think it starts from, from like every facet of a school, right? So the students, the, their, their peers don't view them as peers. Their peers view them as students who look up to them, right? So they're, they're not looking to them as peer. They're not, I'm not saying they're mean to them, because on my campus, most of the uh, quote unquote typical students treat the students in self contained really well. However, they don't view them as peers. And then teachers, other teachers are like, oh, it's that classroom when they're like feeding their kids. They're like, you know, take them to the bathroom all day. And so they're not necessarily viewing their teacher peers the way that they should, right? And then admin staff is kind of like, you know, opt- what? how many times are you stopping in and doing an informal observation in these classes? Zero times, right? And so <laughs> it, it's yeah. just because people aren't looking at them as, as true parts of the school community. They'll say it and they'll treat them nicely, but it's the difference between treating someone nicely and treating them with the respect they deserve. Uh
4: For me,
3: this is Leanne, I want to change the mindset of science. Um, anytime I go to parent-teacher conferences, uh, there's always questions about what their ELA scores are, what their math scores are. Um, no questions about what their science scores are, and I teach reading, writing, math, science, across the board. And I have more students love coming to my classroom. So why aren't the scores for science
0: valued? So we have parents that are listening to us, or other decision makers. How can we support your work?
5: I'll go ahead and start with this one. Um, I think a big part of it is there's a, a cultural aspect to education that I think uh, it varies across the country. But uh, you know, even even then, I don't think it's to a point where teachers are respected. Um, in this country, and specifically in the state, the way that they certainly deserve to be. We, we hear from these uh, these excellent educators who spend so much of their time and, and their effort and their emotional uh, currency when they're teaching. And so I think it's educating yourself as, as a parent, as a community member. I remember um, this was a similar question was asked when we were applying for this award. And I remember writing about, you know, just go and get involved. Get involved with your, your schools and your local community, whether you have a child there or not. Um, get to know the teachers, get to have a better understanding of what they do. And as I said, you know, my background wasn't in education, and I was certainly one of the the masses who were were woefully ignorant about what it meant to be a teacher. And a lot of us had this experience where we were in school for 13 years, so we think we know. We think we know what it means to to be a teacher because we knew what it meant to be a student. And it was um, was eye-opening to become an educator and realize I had no idea what I was talking about when it came to being a teacher. And so uh, I think it's, it's inherent upon all of us to be able to say, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to reach out to my local school, I'm going to get involved, I'm going to volunteer, I'm going to go to a, a concert or a sport game, and I'm just going to be part of that community. And I think that the students will benefit from that, I think the community benefits from that, and I think that's a way for, for parents and stakeholders to, to better understand where we're coming from, and uh, I think it would be a natural progression toward a better education system too. Anybody else want to jump on that? <laughs> I was that was gonna, really well said. Yeah, I
4: was going to say this to Sherry. Um, I was going to say our children are more than test scores. Um, that I know testing is very important to the state, but, you know, we're stigmatizing our children. And if a student gets an F, that's what they feel they are, that they are an F. Um, and so it's, we're stigmatizing our teachers, our schools, with labels. Um, that's not what we are. You know, we're passionate and... I really feel like we need a different and more improved way in order to drive our schools and our decisions and, and how we instruct with our students.
5: And Any last words from our teacher of the year before we wrap up here before I end it? I think we need to get connected to our schools. Um, Jonathan made that point um, when you talked about the whole of school systems. If we got connected to our schools, I think we would realize the importance of the job, the hard work that goes in, and it would be easier for people to assume positive intent from teachers, right? Because I think even uh, during a time like Red for Ed, where there was, you know, thousands of teachers marching in the state capitol, we were talking about this before the podcast, that some people actually viewed it as, why aren't you all at work? Get to work what you're doing. And I think if if the um, kind of the population, if we were all connected they would have understood what we were doing, what we were talking about. We were talking about students. Most teachers were there like on their phones, drawing lesson plans together for students who were going to libraries, doing work. Some teachers were like rushing off to a library, doing the hour or two with their kids, coming back. Um, And and some teachers like me were saying, what are we doing about our kids with special needs? Where could I bring them food? How could we support them? And so I think with those connected communities, it would be much easier for people to respect teachers. And if people respect the teachers, then it would be like, okay, what can we do for them? And then teachers would be like, okay, I might not be making the most money, but I'm all in because my community counts on me. And everybody respects me. And the importance of the job comes through. And so I think it would be much easier to retain teachers that way. Um, and much easier for parents to say, you know what? They're doing great jobs out there. I know. There was that story about that one teacher who did something yeah. bad. Or right? I know there was, you know, this yes. walkout in which my students can't, my, my son or daughter can't go to school. But I know that the teachers have the best interests of the students in mind. Absolutely.
0: Thank you again for listening to the last 2018 podcast episode with the Arizona Educational Foundation's Teacher of the Year, Kareem Neal along with the three ambassadors for excellence, Jonathan Perone, Sherry Lloyd, and Leanne Howe. You can connect with them through the email provided on the show notes. You can learn more about me and the podcast by visiting the website at earlychildhoodjourneys.com. We'll see you next year with more badass guests. Be well, everybody.